of KOZ in your church. Kids Outdoor Zone is an outdoor adventure ministry for the men in the church. And the mission field for those men, primarily the fatherless boys, but also the fathers and sons. Imagine a Saturday morning where the boys and the men in your church are together doing outdoor activities. Hiking, fishing, shooting bows, whittling sticks with pocket knives. It's a beautiful thing and a beautiful place for the men in your church to come together and speak into the lives of the little boys in your church and in your community. I want to invite you to find out more about KOZ. Go to kidsoutdoorzone.com. Kids Outdoor Zone. No kids left inside. This week, Jim Morris is here to answer any of your questions. Love for your boys to be a part of this ministry. And if you know of any boys, let them know about this great opportunity to talk to Jim Morris after after service in the lobby. We're going to give you some more information about that. This morning, I I, we want to uh, just encourage you if you want to connect online, please do that by hitting the connect button. If you're looking for a church home in this building, you can use our connect card. And fill that out, and there's giving boxes in the back on your way out. You can place your Connect card out there in those boxes. And just wanted to say a thank you for your faithfulness, for your giving, your tithes, and your offerings. We want to show you some updates. This was the, from the Advent Conspiracy offering we took. We've been telling you a little bit about uh, from time to time. We, we showed you pictures of the foundation of those cabins and how we, we've got them up. There in Kenya, Africa, we're supporting Kevin and Marion Smith Ministries in Kenya, and uh, we sponsored 250 boys this summer to be a part of the camps there. And your offerings, your faithfulness, your generosity, your sacrificing has now put up some cabins there in Kenya, Africa, and there they are. Just wanted to show them to you. Amen. important that we're doing our part here and around the world, so thank you for your, your faithfulness to giving. Missions are so important to give, get the message of Jesus Christ around the world. It is our the reason why we're on this earth. That is the reason, uh, above all other reasons that you're here today, is to spread the gospel, so thank you for, for doing that. Today we're going to be thanking our volunteers. If you've done anything in this church you are invited to our, our picnic, and just to let you know, right after service, you can head straight there to the Lamont Park District. As you as you go into the Lamont Park District, you'll start driving back towards the, the new facility called the Four, and you'll see a nice playground. We have that first pavilion right there. The food will be waiting for you, so just join us. Be a part of it. It will be a good time to just say thank you to all of you who have given so much. You're a part of our Horizons group. You're, you're there, so just know that you're, you're invited. We're looking forward uh, to that time uh, this afternoon. And then this Wednesday, just wanted to remind you, we're starting something new. We started it two weeks ago on the second and fourth Wednesday of the month. It's our junior Bible quiz, uh, or Bible quiz night. It's for adults, teenagers, and kids. You know, and I shared it with you last week, uh, so much is happening. And, uh, you know, 
We'll let the politicians do what they need to do. We'll let government leaders do what they need to do. But the church needs to do what we're called to do. And it's the greatest calling, and it is above politics. It is above government rule. We bring the kingdom of God to this earth. We bring the kingdom of God to children. We reveal it to the teenagers. And so I'm encouraging you to be a part of this opportunity to interact with our children, interact with our teenagers, and learn God's word as we do that, and also pray with them, and then have fun with them. Boy, in an hour, look at that, it's just going to happen within an hour's time. I'm looking forward to it. I had a wonderful time being with the youth last Wednesday night, as I'm going to keep doing that uh, through the summer. Just feel that urgency in my heart for our teenagers. I hope you have a sense of urgency, a desire to be there. And sometimes you just have to be there for our kids. You just have to be there for our teenagers. And so uh, out there in the lobby, I did want to mention to this, I mentioned the prayer, uh, the claim for America, these are out there. And they're right next to the scripture verses that we're going to be memorizing with our teenagers, with our children, and having fun as we quiz through them, seeing who's going to be the smartest. And I know, I get it, you know, you may not be the quickest one on the buzzer, you may not be the smartest one memorizing, but just come. Be a part of it. And I know there's this competition element that will be there, but trust me, the goal is to, to know Jesus, to encourage one another. And so, so those sheets of paper that, are, that have the scripture verses are out there, and we're praying. Uh, also, th- these are out there. I just wanted to, I forgot to mention that to you, that those prayer guides are out there as well. But we're, we're living in a day of age. I hope you're seeing it. I hope it's clear to you. Playtime is over. It's time to draw nearer to God. It's time to call upon His name. It's time to see His church arise. It's time for us to declare truth. It's time for us to shine brighter than we've ever shined before. It's time for us to speak louder than we've ever spoken before. It's time for us to act with the power and presence of God. We have the truth. We don't have to be frustrated with laws and what to do next. We have the answer. We have Jesus Christ. We have the truth. We have the hope of of the eternal hope that comes through Christ alone. And it's time to rise up. I'm so grateful for this this new series of Transform, Believing God to Transform Our Lives. And and I've been in this uh, title called uh, From Foe to Friend. Today will be the last part of this little uh, this title of this message as we continue to work through the series of Transform. But we're talking, last week we talked about Paul and how God transformed his life. And I want to go back to verse 5 of Romans chapter 1. Romans 1 verse 5 says, Through Christ, God has given us the privilege and authority as apostles to tell Gentiles everywhere what God has done for them so that they will believe and obey Him, bringing glory to His name. Let's pray. Father, I thank You that You transformed Paul's life. But I'm also grateful today that You're not done transforming lives. Lord, You knew my prayer last week, I believe, was a prophetic prayer, a prayer that I wasn't even thinking about, but believing for even today, that Paul was on his way to murder people. Paul was on his way to silence people. Paul was on his way to hurt people, but you stopped him, Lord Jesus, because you shined your light through Stephen's life. 
And I pray, Lord Jesus, that we will see this transforming power at work. We'll see your power stopping those who are ready to commit violence, and you'll speak to them. And Lord, we know that we are a part of the kingdom of God, so we need to do our part. We need to shine bright for you, Jesus. We need to open the doors to people in their lives so that you can walk in and transform their lives. Father, I'm believing for that. My God, I just know that in Jesus' name, that transformation needs to begin in our hearts. We need to wake up. Six percent of, of believers, are, of, of Americans, are only believing a biblical worldview. Fourteen percent of believers are reading their Bible every day. We need to wake up, Lord. Help us this morning through your word. In the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name, move by your Holy Spirit today. Amen. Amen. Paul was transformed by God. Paul was transformed by Jesus Christ. Paul went from murdering people to saving people. Paul went from hating the message of Christ to proclaiming the message of Christ. Paul was transformed by the power of God. God had done something for him. Paul was transformed not because he joined the church, not because he got accepted into membership, Paul wasn't changed by a song or by a sermon. Paul was changed by an encounter with Jesus Christ. Paul encountered his miraculous power. Paul encountered the truth of the gospel. Paul beheld the glory of God, the light of the gospel. Paul was transformed by Jesus. God had done something for him. God had touched his heart. God had touched his life. It wasn't a religious way that Paul was changed by. It wasn't a, a bunch of rules that Paul was going to follow that changed him. No, it was a Savior that began to walk with him that changed his life, that transformed his heart. And I love this phrase that, they, that Paul says, we want to we tell God, we want to tell the Gentiles everywhere what God has done for you. And not just what God has done for you, but what God will do for you. And we're not just what God will do for you, but what God is going to do for you. He's an active God. He is a living God. He, Jesus proclaimed He's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He's the God of the living, not the dead. He's the God of the living. He's living and active. He's moving and He's speaking. He's changing and He's touching. He's rising up. He's building. He's working on our behalf. And today I want to join Him. Today I want to know Him. Today I want to be transformed by Him. I want to shine bright for Him today. I want to receive this message. I want to be changed by Him. I want to work in this personal relationship that He's he died for. He died so that I can have a personal relationship with Him. He died so that I can declare what He's done for me. Do you know what Jesus has done for you? Do you know what He's doing for you? Are you allowing Him to work in your life? Can you share with somebody today, God is doing this in my life. This is what His Word is doing in me. Can you share with somebody today, this is what God is speaking to me. This is what God is sharing with me. Can you share what God is speaking to you through His Word? Can you share with somebody what He's doing in your life? I pray that you can. I pray that you're giving Him time to, to do work in you, to bring His transforming power in your life. I love what God does in my heart. I love how He changes me. I love how the privilege I have in sharing that with you. 
And do you know you have that same privilege to share, to share with everyone, to share with anyone who comes into your life. Share with them what God has done for you. He's done great things. He's done mighty things. He's done powerful things. And I pray that your heart is open to Christ today. I hope you have an opportunity. I love that we're going to be out in the community today at the Lamont Park District. And I hope we we run into somebody you don't know, or maybe you do know, and you can share with them why you're here. I'm here because I've served my church. I'm here because I invest in children, and I've I've received from the Lord, and now I have to give to these children. I want to give them hope. I want to give them life. I work with my teenagers in my church. I I help open doors and greet new people that walk into my church. I, I want to share with you what God's doing in my life. I want to take every opportunity we have. I want to share that with people, what God has done for us. And I think it's so important today that we open up our heart and we open up our life and we share with people what He's done with us, how He's changed us, how He's transformed our lives, how He has spoken to us. Today you're going to hear a story of what I believe like a modern day Saul and Paul, a total radical change. Uh, many of you know Diane Bassing, and but maybe you don't know the transformation that's taken place in her life. I've asked Diane to come and to share her story. She's going to share how God has transformed her life, how He's still transforming her life, how He can transform the lives of people around us who just need to be a light to people. Diane, I want you to come. And share your heart with us, share your story with us as we hear how God is transformed by this woman who shared her story. Hi, everybody. Oh my gosh, no pressure, Pastor said. You tell this, this big thing about Paul, and then here's little old me. Uh, thank you so much to the worship team. That was a fabulous worship set. Oh my gosh, those, I mean, it's so fitting for what I'm going to talk about today. So God bless you, and thank you so much. So I grew up in a, a very small town, Melrose Park, Illinois, if any of you know it. And uh, I was a big fan of TV and movies and variety shows of all kinds, and really I loved the fairy tales. Uh, my favorite, though, was Cinderella. How many girls know that one, right? Not just any Cinderella, though. Here I'm really going to date myself. It was the Rodgers and Hammerstein's version of Cinderella. So uh, Leslie Ann Warren was Cinderella, and the guy who played the prince was Stuart Damon. Anybody? Okay, Dr. Alan Quartermain. Anybody know General Hospital? Okay, right. So th- they were in the mix. And then, so Cinderella had a wicked stepmother, two evil stepsisters, and despite constant ridicule by all of them, she grows up to be a pretty good kid. She cleans, she does windows, she does all of that stuff. Well, the stepsisters get an invitation to the ball, and all Cinderella gets is the to-do list. I'll fast forward through a lot of it. You guys know the story. Cinderella goes to the ball. She gets to dance with the prince. She leaves her glass slipper behind. The prince sends out a search party to find Cinderella, finds her. They get married. They have a wonderful life. And by the way, she's filthy, stinking rich. Don't you love fairy tales, right? <laughs> well, my tale without the fairy godmother, one of those something like this. Now, I did have two sisters. Now, they weren't really evil, but I, I, they had their days, I'm telling you. 
And I had a best friend. Her name was Karen. We were two days apart. She lived right next door to me. We did everything together. We played dress-up. We had sleepovers. Um, and it was pretty much a normal life. And when I was seven, I had my first experience with death. My dad had gone to a retirement party, and he was walking home. Uh, and he had a massive heart attack and just died right there on the street. And the police found him only because they were chasing some kids who had broken some windows at a local business. And so um, when that happened, you know, my mom had no idea how to deal with grief. She never had a lot of friends or anything. She was pretty much on her own, and she didn't know how to really grieve the loss of her husband. So she turned to alcohol to numb her pain. Now, I knew that my mom and dad, they drank. You know, when I was little, and and I remember that. But, boy, when my dad died, she really stepped it up a notch. And my mom was a mean drunk. Any conversation I had with her usually wound up in an argument, and many hurtful words were lashed out at me. Sticks and stones can break your bones, but words will never hurt you, right? Yeah, what genius thought of that sentence? I mean, that saying, really? Because the words did hurt. And I started to believe that all the things that my mom said to me, and I started to search for love, but in all the wrong places. I was looking for some kind of validation, you know, that I mattered enough. And I had a choice to make between the good, the bad, and the ugly. Unhealthy sexual relationships and drugs were my choice. Not a wise one by any means. In the euphoria I found in drug use and promiscuity, it only lasted for a short time. And then I was left there alone, unloved, ashamed. I was damaged goods. I was confused. You know, what was this thing? What was love anyway? I started to get into risky behavior. I hitchhiked. Is that even a word today, hitchhiked? Uh, I was going to parties where I didn't really know anybody. There were... uh, a whole lot of different drugs to try, and I partook in all of that, and this was at the ripe old age of 14. When I think about the chances I took in my, with my life, it's really a miracle that I'm even still here. But I'm here for a reason, right? His purpose. God has a wonderful way of turning our bad choices into this amazing transformation story and one of redemption, just like the one Pastor Sid talked about. If I didn't go through all of this stuff that I went through, I wouldn't be here telling you this rather colorful story, right? Well, in the chaos of my teen years is when I met my now husband, Rick. We're going to be married 45 years in September. Yes. God willing, and the freak don't rise anyway. But when I met him, I was in a relationship with a 38-year-old man, and I was 16 at the time. You can imagine it was twisted and sick, and I had this warped idea of what a relationship even was, what it should look like, and that little Rick, he really was my knight in shining armor. And he swept me off my feet. And after a short time, he asked me to marry him. So I was was 17, and Rick was 23 when we got married. Well, Rick and I didn't have any clue on what a healthy marriage looked like. I mean, we had no role models. I mean, my mother was a single mom, and she was a drunk. Rick's parents hardly really talked to each other, but we did the best we could. After a few years, we did what every married couple does, right? 
to start a family. And I was so self-centered and selfish at the time because of all the hurt that I had been through. And, you know, we, we didn't discuss it, though, because we were on that program, you know, if you don't talk about it, it'll go away. Anybody familiar with that one? Oh, my goodness. Um, and, and when I had, had Lori, finally, I, I really wasn't ready. But, I mean, who's ever ready to start a family, right? Um, I was so anxious, and, and I wasn't really... I wasn't really thrilled about any of it, and I started to feel like, man, I, I really, I think I could fix this. All I had to do was find the right thing to get me through this. Secretly, I was dying inside, and nobody knew it but me. Well, when our daughter, Lori, was born, you know, I should have been in bliss. You know, I was only 20 years old, but I should have been happy, you know, being a new mom, and, but I was less than thrilled. All the attention was now on our daughter. I had to think of something to make me feel better. Maybe if I had money, then I'd feel better. Well, I was working at a bar right across from where we lived, and there was a huge demand for drugs there. So I found a great contact, and I started my own business at the bar. I was dealing large amounts of cocaine. Every night that I worked, and I made a lot of money, and I spent a lot of money. And I thought I had a lot of friends, but really, they were only there as long as the drugs were. And when the owners got wise to my little enterprise, they decided it was time for me to go. Now, I could have easily been sent to jail at that time. And that's a whole other story, but for some strange reason, I wasn't. It really was a miracle, and, you know, during this time, Rick didn't know anything about this. It's not that my husband was stupid, it was that he was deceived by his wife. I realized I had been lucky for too long, so I better clean up my act, and Rick and I made some new friends after my forced retirement, (laughs) and then they invited us to church. So we went to church because we loved John and Terry were so amazing to us. They they just loved us right where they were right where we were at. They weren't judging us or anything. So they invited us to this church service. And so this guy on stage, this pastor, um, he was so animated. He had these sparkling blue eyes. He was uh, funny. He he just was so amazing. And when he talked about this Jesus guy. It was like he really knew me, and I wanted what he had. And when he was given the message, it seemed like there was nobody else in the room, only me. He was talking directly to me. How many of you guys have felt like that when you've been in a service, right? And he shared the story about this love of God, that he loved me no matter what I did. See, Jesus paid the price for my sin. All I had to do was believe in Jesus by faith, and then I would have eternal life. A huge burden was lifted from my shoulders. The first thing God did was he cleaned up my mouth. Now, my husband is sitting here, so you could ask him what a mouth I had. Amazing. I could not cuss at all. 
He took the de- desire for drugs away from me immediately. Now, I know God doesn't do that with everybody. I don't know why he did it for me, but I'm so grateful. And that, that was the point that I started my faith journey. So we started to go to church on Sunday, but Sunday was all we did. We went for about 10 years, and, you know, I didn't connect with anybody, especially not uh, the women. Women are laughing. Because, come on, ladies, you know how we could be, right? And I, and I really, if I got to know them, started asking me questions and stuff, it was like, it was all rather messy. I was still kind of in hiding, you know, but... But I was learning at church. And one of the things I learned was to tell other people about Jesus. Now, during this time, my mother had quit drinking, and we had a really good relationship. Now, I, I forgave her for a lot of things, and she forgave me for a lot of things. And she was in the hospital at this certain time. And she had had pneumonia several times, so it, w- it wasn't really a big deal. But I went out to, to see her, and as I was walking in the room, I could hear the doctor talking to her. And he said, Ruby, I can keep you from being in pain, but I can't keep you from dying of this disease. And the diagnosis was lung cancer. And I thought to myself, you got to be kidding me. Right now, me and Mom are, are we're doing great. And we're having this wonderful relationship, and now this. And I remember walking in the room, the doctor walked past me, and uh, I looked at my mom. She looked up at me, and, and God will forgive you for this. She didn't cry. But I said, Mom, um, do you ever think about heaven? And she said, yeah, I do. And I said, well, do you think you'll go there, you know, when your life here is done? And she said, I don't know. And I said, well, you want to make sure that you do go there? And she said, yeah. And I had the opportunity to share my faith with my mom. She prayed with me, and I know the Bible says when we do that, we accept Christ into our hearts, that we will live in eternity with God. So I'm going to see my mom again. See, he healed relationships. He's so good at that. It's amazing. So out of the blue, about six months after my mom died, I started to feel this kind of desperation and panic came and I heard the message of God's grace. I heard forgiveness. I, I felt it once. It was a great feeling, but I felt like there was some distance now between me and God. Oh, Satan. <laughs> oh, he's so cunning. He really smart. You know, he's really patient. Not so with me. And he waits until the timing is just right. 1 Peter 5.8 says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your enemy, the adversary, the devil, walks around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. So true. Be aware. See, me, I had no clue. I was going to that church for 10 years, but I never cracked open a Bible and read it on my own. I wasn't in the Word. I wasn't in fellowship with anyone. I didn't go to the church for guidance or anything. I was... I could feel this nudging starting within me. Satan telling me, hey, you've been good for a really long time. You deserve to have a little fun. Why don't you forget all the bad stuff that happened? And we had received a gift of a computer. 
to my brother-in-law, and I found my way onto the Internet, and I started having conversations with men, and they turned sexual rather quickly. And I kept telling myself, you know, I wasn't really doing anything wrong. I began to write stories about escapades, and with the encouragement of a friend, I was considering getting published. There was definitely a market for this stuff. I had a pen name and everything. When I think back on it, that God saw every word I typed. He knew every thought I had. He knew everything I thought. And just, it makes me shudder. And I think I prayed one day, I guess it was a prayer, I just said, God, I need your help. Her help came in the form of this little Jewish woman. She was about five feet tall. I worked with her, uh, and I respected her. And um, she just said to me, you know, Di, I don't, I don't know, you need to get some help. <laughs> really, that's all she said. You need to get some help. I don't know where you need to get it, but you need to get some help. And, well, long story short on that, I found myself going to a 12-step group. And in that group is where I learned surrender. See, when I accepted Christ all those years ago, all I got was the fire insurance, you know? Like, I wasn't going to go to hell. But I didn't make Jesus Lord of my life. I heard a pastor say, Jesus is either Lord of all or he ain't Lord at all. And I had to make a choice to believe what the Bible says or what the world says. And I opened the Word one day, and I read this passage, and it blew me away. It's from Romans 1, 22, and I think it's 24, 22 through 24. For although they knew God, they never glorified Him as God, nor gave thanks to Him. But their thinking became futile. And their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like mortal human beings and birds and animals and reptiles. Therefore, God gave them over in the sinful desires of their hearts to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. See, God had my attention. He was speaking directly to me. He allowed this detour in my life so that I could really get to know him, understand the difference between a holy God and what the world says. It seems I had one foot in the church and the other in the world. So let's recap, if you will. I was prideful, self-centered, narcissistic, greedy, full of shame, remorse, bitterness. This goes on. And our society says, hey, look out for number one. Well, I fit in right there. I was foul-mouthed. That's putting it mildly. I was a drug dealer, an addict of just about everything, a woman who gave herself away at a whim, pretty much on my way to publishing pornography, erotica, whatever the word for it is. Let's not forget, a lot of this was, I was a Christian at this time. And I was somebody who used to shake her fist at God, at him for him, thinking he could tell me what to do. I was my own God. And I needed a change, and a big one at that. You know, 
could God help me? Would God help me? Yes, he sure would. All I needed to do was ask. The Bible says, 2 Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. All things are new. Well, man, I sure needed to be new. How about you? I had feelings of shame, guilt, remorse before I got to know God. Roman, Romans 1, 8, 1 says, There is no, therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. You know, I know there's always going to be a struggle. That is a fact. I was putting all, all the pressure on me. The Bible says I could do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Philippians 4.13. His strength, way more powerful than my strength. My outlook started to change. I felt the urge to tell others about this change, and I realized that was God's plan all along. But why would God want to use somebody like me? I started to open the Bible. I started to read the Word. While in a small group, I met Gina. We were doing a Bethmore study called Breaking Free, and what brought Gina to the group was infidelity in her marriage. Her husband had lost her mind, and she was trying to work it out. We became the best of friends. Well, Gina had a, something called ulcerative colitis, and uh, she decided she would have surgery. I remember her saying, I just want to eat again without it hurting. After a few days after surgery, there were complications, and Gina died. And it hurt like crazy. And I was a bit mad. I mean, she's in Bible study. Her and her husband are now starting to work together. He was back home. And th their marriage was starting to heal. I just didn't get it. But I was invited to speak at her funeral. It was packed with people. Gina in her death had a purpose in my life. And we all have purpose. We may not understand it. God chose, chose each one of us to do something for him, just like Pastor Sid was saying. And he chose me for this. I don't know why. I mean, I'm nobody special. 1 Corinthians 1, starting in 20, verse 24, says this. God, in his wisdom, took delight in using what the world considered dumb preaching of all things, to bring those who trust him into the way of salvation. Take a good look, friends, at who you were when you got called into this life. I don't see many of the brightest and the best among you. No offense. Not many influential. Not many from high society families. Isn't it obvious that God deliberately chose men and women who the culture overlooks and exploits and abuses? Chose these nobodies to expose the hollow pretension of the somebodies. Amen. Talk about transformation. I'm glad about that. After speaking at Gina's funeral, God spoke to me and said, I will make you fishers of men. And you're not. And I tried to talk him out of it for quite a while. But as you can see, it didn't work. <laughs> to be able to share my life and be a living witness to Romans 8.28. And we know that, oh, for you guys, you know this one, all things work together for good for those that love God, 
and are called according to his purposes. When I reflect on my past and my life as today, had I had a hard time believing where I came from and the transformation that occurred. Who in their right mind would ever imagine that a woman who wrote pornography would be teaching the Holy Scriptures? How about a woman who was a drug dealer and actually had the, had the opportunity to share the gospel and set the captives free? I should have been in jail. <laughs> Things that we... Um, I shared several defining moments with you guys. Now, first was my desire for this fairy tale life, this unrealistic kind of lifestyle, even though I did marry Prince Charming. The guy... Somebody's hoping for Prince Charming over here. Okay. The gospel message by Pastor Marty Tinglehoff that urged me to make a decision for salvation through faith. The, the death of my dear friend Gina, uh, she caused me to lean into God and get to know him. Her friendship accomplished that along with it. She always encouraged me. Um, and I have never stopped chasing him since. So I want to share this last story with you in closing. It was somewhere in the year 2000. I, I had just celebrated my um, uh, sobriety date, April 6th of 2000, so do the math. Uh, and, um, but this was back in 2000. I, I was working for a credit card processing company, and uh, I was meeting with the, the, the head of the department. Her name was Daisy, and um, I had done all the groundwork, all the paper. We were just going to be meeting to do the paperwork. So as I was waiting for her, I was sitting in the, the lobby, and I was basically at the, at the uh, village hall, so I was at the police department. She always gave me a pat on the back of the neck standing up. But so I, I stood, sat there waiting for her, and in front of me with the, was this big wall poster, and it said, The Crime and the Time. So I was really drawn to it. I mean, it started with, you know, petty theft, violation, not paying parking tickets, all this stuff. And so I scan it, and I get to the part where it talks about drug dealing. I kind of laser into that. And it says, you know, the, the drug, cocaine, the amount, I won't admit it, and then the time. And it was 25 years in a state penitentiary with no chance of parole. And I felt this just, I don't even know what to call it, but I was just, I don't even think I was breathing. Well, right at that moment, Daisy came out, and she says, okay, I'm ready. Uh, Diane, are you you're okay? I don't know if I was green or just white, or I, I don't know what happened, but I said, oh, yeah, look, just give me a minute. And I made it to the bathroom, and I just sat there for a moment, and trying to gather my thoughts, and the realization of that this, is, this was... Uh, 2000. I, well, think about it as now, 2022. That was around the year 2000. I would still have three years to serve him. Jesus set me free. I, I don't know why he didn't cause me to go to jail. Grateful that he did not, although I still say that I would have had a great prison ministry if he was there. Oh, my goodness. So, 
Jesus had, you know, he has supreme authority. God can do whatever he wants to do. And here, he does not have to clear it with me at all. He could just do what he wants. Why? Because he's God and I am not. Amen. Are these the most embarrassing stories? Sadly, no. But this is what God wanted me to share with you today. So maybe you're sitting here and you're thinking, man, well, uh, that's all good, your story, but my stuff is way too big. God could never forgive me for that. You know what? He's exactly the one that can forgive you for that. He's the only one who could forgive you for that. Maybe you got that quiet desperation going on. I, I don't know what it is for you, but the truth of it is that song, the, like the second song we sang, oh my goodness, it was like that's my life right there. It was so beautiful. So, you know, the story of Paul, like he was a murderer and he encouraged it. I, really, I was living a life, I don't even know what to call it, but I am so grateful that God in his infinite wisdom, his gracious mercy, his loving kindness, just really continued to woo me for all my whole life, from when I was a small child till now. And he's still doing it. So where are you at? I mean, there's always the decision moment. With any message, right, Pastor Sid, that you give, it's the call to do something. Here's the active step. What are you going to do? So I'm going to turn this over to, to Pastor Sid, and then uh, he can close us out. Thank you so much for your time. Amen. What a powerful story. God's transforming power in our lives, working in us. I'm so grateful that he's a God who wants to work in our lives. He wants to make us more like him this morning. He wants to take our sins and, and not just cleanse us from them, but then He wants to empower us with life, with peace, with His strength. He wants to give us this hope that becomes contagious to the people around us, that gives us the opportunity to say, the Lord is not just working in me, but He wants to work in you. May we be that wildfire that God just begins to touch our lives and start touching the lives around us. Would you stand this morning? We're going to sing a song just allowing God to speak to us, allowing God to work in our lives. If you're there online, you can maybe stand up where you're at. We're going to just allow God's transforming power to continue to work in us, to let Him speak to us. We all need transformation. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Nobody, nobody can ever say, oh man, that poor no, we all are that poor soul. We all need God's work in us. Lord, I pray by your Holy Spirit, you'll begin to touch us, begin to work in our lives, Almighty God. We want more of you, Jesus. We want more of you, Almighty God. We just open the door, we open the door to our heart this morning so that you can come in, Lord. Do what only you can do. Change us, transform us, change the way we think, change the way we talk, change our goals, change our dreams. I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would touch our lives. Of Holy Spirit, even as we sing this song, consecration, Lord, work in us, touch us.